glory in the legends of this hard muscle life. And there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. But now's the time to work and strain at a sport that tests the spirit and challenges the brain. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Hey, I'd like to have 75 degrees of sunny all the time, too, but that's not football. Do you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain? We're going to play us through light and rain. Go face them and fight them. Be savage again. Hey, Washington faithful, Ryan Fitzpatrick here. Just met Coach Rivera, just inked the deal. Very excited to be here. I'm going to give you everything I got. Let's go football team. Oh, ho, ho, Fitzmagic, <laughs> you know. Ryan Fitzpatrick is officially a football teamer. Welcome in to the Put Me In Coach podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Tom Natale, Ian Foster with you. That is your threesome for this Thursday, March 18th evening. Hopefully you're tuning in to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Put Me In Coach podcast. Like, subscribe, spread the word. Really appreciate everyone following along throughout this crazy up and down journey that is being a fan of the Washington football team. Uh, Free agency in the NFL is underway. We are going to obviously break down all of the Washington football team doings over the past, what, 24 plus hours um, as the NFL I guess new season is officially started. Um, and then we will also be getting into the around the NFL, uh, the rest of the league, not just the Washington team, but also preview March Madness. And if Gregory Porter wishes to grace us with his presence later, maybe we'll get um, a Rotten Gregory's for him. Tom, how you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? Can't be better. I got a, I got a, was it a black and a dark and tan? Ooh. Go oh, on. No, I, for, um, black I and like, tan for like, St. Patrick's Day. I'm, I'm a big snake bite guy, which is half Guinness, half cider. Snake bite. <laughs> oh, I've never had that before, I don't think. It's fantastic. It's pretty good. If they're poured correctly. There, there's a proper way to do it, as I understand. I tried to make um, an Irish uh, meal last night for St. Patrick's Day. And, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Irish food is basically just meat and potatoes and stews. I don't know if this is breaking news for you guys. Far, far superior. Um, and brisket, just corn <laughs> beef is just brisket. So, I like Irish food. I got no beef with Irish food because uh, yeah, all you because yeah, all you get is beef. <laughs> um, but I found this like hippie, not hippie, but like Food Network recipe that's a black and tan uh, pork with a uh, slaw, and um, so it called for. Braising it with uh, use bass as the as a tan part, and of course Guinness as a dark part. Um, so I've just had a lot, lot, lot of leftover Guinness and bass in the fridge. So I figured I'd make a, a dark and tan, black and tan, black and tan. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I refer to the bartender on that one. All right. Um. So lots to, of course, like I said, lots to get to. The big news being yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um. Being officially announced, that was broken, what, a couple nights ago? Yep. Um, Curtis Samuel, I think, was last night. Um, those are the two main ones. William Jackson the night before. William Jackson the night before, that's great. So those are the three two, the three guys that uh, the big names of Washington football team has brought in. Um, I guess, Tom, do you want to start with Fitz, or do you want to start just yeah. general yeah. reaction? I, I would, I'd say we got to start with Fitz just because – uh, you know, go. That was the biggest question mark going into the season. That was quarterback. What are we going to do? Um, and we went over 
apparently we made quite a push to get Matt Stafford, as I understand. And, um, you know, weren't able to fork over what the, what the Rams did, but, you know, we found the Ryan Fitzpatrick's an interesting situation because can you, strangely enough, he's 38 years old. However, he's coming off the most productive season of his career. Um, if you look at his numbers in 2020, now he didn't play the whole season because he was eventually benched for Tua. Um, but not, not because he played poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at his numbers last season in comparison to his career, last season his completion percentage 68.5%. His career average is 60%. Touchdown um, ratio 4.9 to 4. Interception ratio 3 to 3.3. Yards per attempts higher. QB ratings higher, sack percentage is lower. I mean, he he really had a, a contract year, which is not something we would have expected from a 38-year-old journeyman now on his ninth NFL team, which is <laughs> it's got to be close to a record. Like He has more teams than children. <laughs> um, you know, and, and as many children as Philip Rivers. <laughs> I was gonna say tied with Philip. You know, I mean uh, as many teams. What's crazy about this is you know, I, based of all the analysts I've listened over this and, and read about, and you know, the the football team is getting applauded for this, and you know, that's always a weird concept too. And it also just shows you how low the bar is for a good quarterback for this franchise. Uh, I mean, um, if you looked at, I saw there's these guys on. They have their own Redskins. Or damn it. Washington podcast um, called like Tay and Jeff show or something. Um, Let's fight them. <laughs> but if go. you look over the same number of attempts that Ryan Fitzpatrick had 599 versus 599 attempts for all of four quarterbacks that were used this past season. Um, Fitz 4,414 yards passing Washington 3,000 3,700. 27 touchdown passes versus 16, 13 interceptions versus 16, and uh, QB, QBR of 65.2 versus 64.7. He is better in every statistical category that's out there. So by every stretch, that's an upgrade. Um, he's a good athlete, and you know he, he's going to – I guess what we were so frustrated with the Alex Smith offense was – you know, kind of his reputation before him and Andy Reid started working together where everything was just a check down and it was a very vanilla elementary offense. Um, that's not going to be the case because he's going to sling it. And yeah. so it's it's a one-year $10 million deal, which that is – I'm so sick of debating what you're paying quarterbacks. I'm sorry, you pay quarterbacks a lot of money. Like We've been having this argument over the, since the Kirk Cousins debate. But, you know, is he a bridge – Perhaps. I mean, do we think we can really win 10 plus games with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center? I, he's never done it before. Um, he's I, never I had the know. opportunity, really. Yeah, it, that's that's also true. So, you know, it's that still opens the possibility of drafting a quarterback in the first round. If one of these guys falls to us at 19, maybe or, or you know, take someone in the second or third round, a project like Kyle Trask out of Florida or, or Kellen Mond out of Texas, Texas A&M and you know, let him sit for a year, even though that gives you four quarterbacks on the roster. But, um, you know, this was a, it's more than meh, I guess. Like it, it was a good consolation prize. Mm-hmm. I love this deal. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we brought up Fitzy for a while, especially on this yeah. podcast, as a guy that we were targeting if we couldn't land a Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford or whoever else is that up you know obviously Russell we weren't on Russell Wilson's list but you know what I mean um and time you said like I mean you you stole you stole my stats <laughs> I found that I saw that exact same tweet so I was going to say the same thing um mm-hmm. but I think you have to look at that and just say that's an immediate upgrade because you're looking he he has better stats than I mean so technically those are over each of the Fitzpatrick's and whoever played Washington quarterback for the last 16 starts so it doesn't include I guess Fitzpatrick's games when he came in off the bench. But the fact that they have the exact same attempt, it just makes it an easy head-to-head comparison. And he's just so much better. 11 more touchdowns and three less interceptions. And he was also doing that with a pretty, like, what was he working with in Miami? Nothing. Now he's got more weapons here. Yeah. He's coming to a better situation here. and, and 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 a higher completion percentage. Not by much, but you know, it's higher um, mm-hmm. and, and more yards and, and think about all right, the yards. Maybe you can throw out the window because we know that Fitz throws down the field more mm-hmm. and Washington doesn't or hadn't. Mm-hmm. But then you look at stuff like touchdowns and interceptions and completion percentage, you know, how many of those completions are checkdowns or to the backs for the Washington quarterback mm-hmm. and oh, Fitzpatrick wow. still has a better completion percentage and more touchdowns and fewer interceptions. So this is an immediate upgrade. I think he's the perfect bridge quarterback to from Alex Smith or whatever the hell we did last year mm-hmm. to whoever is going to be the quarterback of the future. This this to me in my mind means there is no need to trade up if you get lucky and a quarterback falls yeah. to you. You struck gold. Perfect. But now there's there's no need for a conversation to trade up for any of these guys. And you can roll with the punches with I, I think after winning the division, and we'll get to Curtis Samuel in a bit. Yep. I still think this team with with if Fitz is the starter, I think this team has to be again the favorite, maybe with Dallas to win the division next year. I'd agree. I think so. I yeah, mean, uh, as far as Philly. bridge quarterbacks go, we got the ultimate bridge quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he was brought into, and, into Miami to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And he, they brought him. Benched him, really. Yeah. He, yeah, he outplayed too, and that's why they brought him in as close, closer in fucking fourth quarter. And here, they're not going to bench him to play Tyler Taylor Heineke. They're going to bench him if he plays bad. They're not going to bench but, him so, to get, unless a quarterback, unless, you know, Trey Lance yeah. falls to them or something. Yeah, I mean, the, the general rule of thumb is that, well, you look at all three of their salaries, Kyle Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Taylor Heineke, by that measure, it's this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's job to, to lose for sure. I mean, do you think there's going to be an open competition? I know Ron hinted towards that, but I mean, it's got to be his job to lose. I think it'll be open, but there's, they're leaning towards Fitzy. Mm-hmm. You know what, what's impressive about this is – like I know none of these guys are, are world beaters. Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke are, are, are fits. But if one of them go, gets hurt or two of them gets hurt, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. Like, I, I still feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm really great, comfortable. I, still feel comfortable. I, yeah. I really like, would have liked to see what Kyle Allen would have done when this team kind of started to, started to take off a little bit. I, I thought he looked a lot better than Alex did. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it's from and the advanced analytics also show that, you know, the, the top receiver and on a Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback offense is going to eat, which means if you're Terry McLaurin, you are very happy about this. And Curtis Hamill now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't heard, I don't think Curtis Hamill has spoken to the media yet, but I'd be interested to see if someone asks him, hey, how much does Ryan Fitzpatrick coming here influence, like, you wanting to come here. I think he yep. probably already had interest playing with Terry again, obviously Ron mm-hmm. and Scott Turner, um, cap space, stuff like that. But now that he knows who the quarterback is, I, I would have, it's weird. Tom, like I, I like equate this now, this off season. And it's not just because of Ron and that we won the division and the defense. There's a lot of other factors, but it seemed like we are a destination, at least for this offseason, like the Nationals. We always talked about how, you know, in the uh, Mike Rizzo era, the Nationals have been a target for high-profile free agents. Mm-hmm. People want to come play here because of how well the organization is and how, um, you know, they win. That mm-hmm. has not obviously not been the case for Washington in so long, and the only reason to come yeah. here is because Dan would overpay you, yeah, handicapping the rest of the team. Now yeah. it seems like grown-ups are in charge. They know yeah. what they're doing, and... Yep. They're, I mean, they went seven and nine, but they won the division, and we are now a destination for guys like Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, um, and and none of these Bill Jackson are, are are breaking the bank. None of these signings no. are going to hamstring you in the future. So you, you still have the cap flexibility to re-sign Jonathan Allen at some point, which I really hope they do. And you know, you're going to have to have these conversations with Montez Sweat and Chase Young sooner than later. So, I mean, we you got to prepare. You know, when you mentioned Mike Rizzo, what I always one of the things I very much admire about him is that he has like an immediate plan and uh, one year, two year goes all the way to five years. Like what what's going to work? And I mean, that's something that this front office has to figure out because they got a lot of young talent, young talent that we haven't had before. Um, And, you know, what's weird, I know this is kind of an intangible, but when is the last time we had like a likable quarterback? Especially to the degree of Fitz Magic. Even like, Kirky yeah. people rubbed people the wrong way only because a lot of people didn't like Kirk. Only they because. hated Kirk. It makes no sense. Yeah, he liked, like, I mean, okay, he okay, he you want to talk about his interceptions and all that, but like how do you hate him as, from his interviews and shit like that? He's just so happy. He likes Nickelback. Mark Brunel? Yeah. <laughs> Even that. I think this yeah. is. I think Fitz Magic might be the most popular. Well, I mean, order. Mark Brunel from people who RG RG three, but those, but for one year, yeah. But I, I, I'm more so like on the how much people like like the person as the like. Obviously, Fitzpatrick has a much bigger personality than Mark Brunel. Mm-hmm. Mark, I think it was just a kind of respect thing. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like, no one, the only player, honestly, who has similar. He's not a quarterback, but has like a similar comparison to, in terms of personality is probably Portis, right? Yeah. I think Chase Young is going to develop. Chase Young is going to be one of those guys, yeah. Personality, yeah. But like. But Chase Young is going to come out in like a fucking tracksuit unbuttoned down with a, with a gold chain as a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's only one Fitzy. Yeah. You know, he's we're not going to be bored. And, and yes. Like I, I saw a friend of the program, Joe Arvis, mentioned on Twitter. I know he likes the signing, but he was like, it's going to be a gamble. I was like, dude, we, we spent two years watching Rex Grossman. We're good. Like, yeah. there's, there's nothing we haven't seen as as Washington fans. So, you know, this is a – and then again, it, look, if it doesn't work, 
which we've seen that happen time and time and time and time again here, then, you know, you're not screwed for the future. It's a $10 million deal. And if it, you know, if it doesn't work, you cut your loss. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like you said, so, you have to pay the quarterback. It's a $10 million deal, $3 million base with a $6 million signing bonus, mm-hmm. $1 million of per-game starts, and then uh, $2 million in incentive. So it could become 12 But, I mean, that's – look at the, the money and the draft picks that are being thrown around for other quarterbacks across the lead. Like, yeah. If if the – you know, over 16 starts, if the f- almost 400 uh, – and 4,500 yards – <clears throat> close to 30 touchdowns and just above 10 interceptions and six above 65 completion percent. Is that what we're getting for almost $12 million? That's, that's a no brainer. Yeah. And, and frankly, we don't need him to be a world beater. No, he, he just needs to, you know, with this defense get us 20 points a game. Yep. You get us 20 points a game. We're probably going to win more than we're going to lose. You take that. What was his record this year with Miami as a starter? It was good. But if you take that that winning record, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. If you take those numbers um, over his last sixteen starts and put that on the twenty twenty Washington football team, they go at least nine and seven, if not ten and six, and win the division easily. Yeah. They beat the Giants both times. Impossible. We can't. We, we can't, can't beat, beat the, the Giants. Beat it's so annoying. <laughs> the Eli number two. Let's see. He. Uh, let's see. Where's his game log? Yeah, I'm looking. At, I'm looking that up right now too. Game I log. mean, and also this has got to be. I mean, he hasn't really been coined the starter since like his days in Buffalo. So like this is kind of like a Rich Gannon type thing where he's doing something in the the twilight of his career. And yep. It's do I think we have another rich Gannon type of scenario in our hands? No, uh, but you know, again, if we can get just middle of the road productivity, that's enough. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's all we need. Yeah. So he went four and three as a starter. Wait, that's not right. Hold on. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. He went four and three as a starter last year. And five and four, and the Dolphins went five and four in the games he played. The two games he came off the bench, uh, they split. <laughs> and that one, the one they won was the one against the Raiders. That fucking that game. Jeez. Did I you love- know he went to Harvard? Yeah. What? <laughs> Did-, Did he play with Carl? I think Carl played with him his freshman year, right? Did he really? Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, Carl was a freshman when Fitzy was the. Yeah. Starter as a senior. Wow. Um, but did you guys see that uh, the meme from that Raiders game of like the makes the face mask and he's throwing the yeah. ball and it just said "fuck it, Terry open." Yes. <laughs> yeah. Terry open somewhere. He's not wrong. So so to go chronologically with this, um, following the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing, Ronald Darby signed with Denver, and we're all like. Oh man, like I would have wished to resign him. He had a really, really good season here with us and seems to to fit well with this defense. Anyways, he goes to Denver and gets what close to twenty million guaranteed by guaranteed. What was this? Sorry. Uh, Darby guaranteed. Ronald oh. Ronald Darby signing with the Broncos. Yeah. Um I thought I had it in here. I think it was twenty, right? Three years, thirty million includes nineteen million almost twenty million guaranteed. It was like nineteen a little over nineteen and a half, I think. 
but yeah. then anyways and we tried um, to keep them but but we weren't gonna give them 30 million yeah which so i agree uh, a day you know shortly after that the football team signs the best free agent quarterback on the market and that's william jackson the third formerly of the Bengals, coming off of his rookie contract to a three-year contract that's worth up to 42 million includes 26 million guarantee um considered the best man for man corner available on the market um which then made me realize i was like i mean we're paying landon collins top money paying kendall fuller top dollar and now we're paying um William Jackson top dollar on as well. And I mean, you are, and then you have an attacking defense that can get to the quarterback in an instant. I mean, these corners are going to be set up to really, really you know, eat out there, so to speak. So um, I love, I absolutely love the William Jackson signing. Actually, this is my favorite out of the three. Yeah. Um, this, this kid can play and he's young and uh, you know, he's him and Kendall Fuller, the two of them, that is a hell of a one-two punch. That's scary. Yeah. Now, just give me a fucking linebacker to round it all out. Mm-hmm. And then that's a – that is a formidable defense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. And, I mean, this guy can tackle too. He's got good length. I mean, um, so with – He played well against Terry. He did. He, he yeah. really did. So – you know, he this I feel like this deal would be given more credit if he wasn't playing in a small market like Cincinnati. Correct. Um, which works to our benefit though, because we don't yes. have to pay. Which... Yep. And again, we're not signing people to these five, six, seven year contracts that kill us later on down the road. So um, you know, this was just this this signing surprised me. I didn't think we would, you know, go back to back years paying essentially, you know top market value for a cornerback, but, and you know, that three-year window is still within the contract length of Montez Sweat and John Allen and, and yep. <laughs> they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And you guys questioned them. Which part? The, oh, they, the front I'm office? I'm so bitter about Kyle Smith. Yes. Yeah, of course. Well, we're going to see about the draft. Yeah. Draft. Dra- dra- this is, draft this is, is where agency. They're, do- they're, they're knocking free agency out of the park. We really, I mean, if you like, I'm on ESPN, Frank, I, I love Bill Barnwell. He's really good. And I've watched NFL network the past two days straight. It feels like, I mean, they're saying like, who are the teams that have, have been winning free agencies thus far? And like, we're one of the first teams mentioned. Um, yeah. If well, not, well, and, the Patriots. Yeah. And not, which, yeah, definitely, which you're good to. And then, but not for typical Washington reasons, like where Snyder <laughs> opens up the checkbook and like here, get, create your fantasy football team. Like you are, signing guys to, you know, contracts that aren't massive and also those that should fit, you know, plug into the offensive defense, you know, right away. Um, Winning off the field. Book it. You, you know, a cornerback's best friend is a good pass rush. So right. this William Jackson signing and um, pairing with Kendall Fuller and what we're going to get out of um, – uh, Cam Curl going uh, moving forward. I mean, that's that's impressive. I did see that the Bears just cut Kyle Fuller. Now, do we need a third corner? No, but you know, his little brother plays. plays hey, get him I thought about it too, but I mean, he's going to ask for a lot. I mean, they cut him. He is. Mine. They. Mine. They, he was owed twenty million dollars this year. Yeah, he's an all. He's an all pro. Yeah. So, so he's going to. I mean, now if he wants to come play with his brother, don't think I won't say no, but. 
I just don't think yeah, it's going to happen. But I mean, you know, you know, yeah, please, for love of God, hometown. That'd be okay. So, and then I was going to bring up with William Jackson. Also, one hundred percent, I'm going to call him William Likely the Third at some because he's William Jackson the Third. There's a hundred percent chance I'm calling him William Likely the Third at some point. <laughs> he a turp. He a turp. I am a turp. Not Jackson Likely, um, but. We're saying that we just added the best cornerback on the market and from last year to an already top three defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. So many eyebrows. It gets me <laughs> so hyped. And then, yeah, you just add a middle linebacker. I mean, Kerrigan's probably going to leave, which will be sad mm-hmm. because he wants to start, which is fair. But I'm happy if Kerrigan's happy. I'm just, yeah, me too. That's a good way to put it. I, I I mean, and this is obviously not a slight at him. He's probably my favorite, if not, he's probably my favorite Washington football team player of this era, easily, maybe of yeah. all time in my lifetime. 91 should be retired immediately. 100%. Immediately. But I don't think this defense, that being said, I don't think this defense takes any significant step backwards with him gone. No. Unfortunately, no. They probably miss. I mean, he had he did have how many sacks did he have last year? They'll miss a handful of sacks, but that those can be found elsewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and who's to, who's to say what's going to happen? Because where we really hit this past offseason was the bargain free agent market with JD McKissick, okay. Logan Thomas, and um, we we struck gold with those guys. So you know that's probably where we'll go as far as like a third pass rusher or like you know a guy that we can bring off the bench in that regard. Um, ideally that would be Kerrigan because I think he could still, that's still a good role for him, which will probably be his role for the rest of his career. But um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be weird not to see him in, in, in uniform with us. If that's in fact the case, well, we did sign uh, linebacker, David Mayo, whoever that is. Yeah. Back up with the giants. Um, but he played with the Panthers. So, so did that center you Tyler Hector. Larson. Yeah. You, you a football team. Um, but then our favorite signing, well, the one that got everyone very excited, not to pat myself on the back, I did mention him. Um, Curtis Samuel signed last night. And um, I'm going to. We, we, all, we all wanted Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Um, Washington Post reporter Nikki Javala tweeted something yesterday after the signing. Washington's top two receivers, Terry McLaurin, 43540. Curtis Samuel, 43140. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. It seems like Tom has seen all the same stats that I've seen. So I'm going to put on my notes. People. The one time I'm, no, not the one time, but one of the few times I actually no, make notes, Tom just takes them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, man, I mean, obviously there was clearly a connection. This seemed like almost like a, foregone conclusion that he was going to sign here um, given his familiarity with Scott Turner um, the need for us for another receiver and um, then also his connection with Terry McLaurin they were very close at Ohio State as I understand in the same uh, recruiting class and they lived together did they? I, you're right, you're right. I think they said they were roommates at some point that's all but well, here's the crazy thing. So, three years, three hundred thirty-four point five million dollars. So, I'll take it. 
Yeah. Did, did not overpay either. No, we thought. What was your estimate? You, we you just did this like two weeks ago. Your yeah. estimates for for him. You guys were closer to like fifty million. Yeah. Um, for four years, though. Four years. That's true. Yeah, I did four years, fifty million. So let's see, three years. Three years. Three, so that's kind of on par. Close. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's sixteen mil per year, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's essentially spot on. So um, Curtis Samuel, he's 29 years old. Of course, he played for Ron Rivera and Scott Turner in Carolina. Um, he's 24, Bob. Where did I see 29? Curtis Samuel. Anyway. Your old ass roommate with Terry McLaurin. Yeah, 24. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the weird guy on the floor. Yeah, all right, he's 24. And he's a daisy. <laughs> I got the wrong number. Anyway, see, this is why I let Tom do the numbers. <laughs> um, but he's coming off his best season. 77 catches, 851 yards. He also had 41 carries for 200 yards rushing and five total touchdowns. Now, here's the thing. That's his best season. Terry mm-hmm. did that his rookie year. <laughs> wow. I looked it up, and I was like, there's no... So, yes... I, I was going to assuming actually Terry did better his rookie year. How about that? Terry had 919 yards uh, and seven touchdowns his rookie year. And of course went over a thousand this past season. So I was going to the impression that because Curtis Samuel has played longer and he, I guess his first couple of seasons, he wasn't in a terrible offense, but not great in the year since he, I was looking at him as the, like the path that Terry would be taking, right? Terry's already better than him. Yeah. Which is yeah, he's signed as the number two. Which is crazy. In my well, mind. Chris, there's a higher Terry's guy. locked in that number one. Yeah. yeah. And so here we were trying to get a number one. I think we I think we're maybe better suited by adding this number two. The number two that sure. we got to specifically too. Agreed. And we talked about the money being cheaper. So, it, is this your favorite signing? I mean, you said Jackson yeah. was, but I don't. I, I mean, mean, it's this it's is hard the one not to love this signing because yeah. uh, you know I wrote down in my notes here positional <laughs> versatility is in right now, and Scott Turner likes these guys that can do more than just line up at one position. And you know, Curtis Samuel had, as you mentioned, Bobby, forty-one carries last year too. Um, you know, it, that was mostly because Christian McCaffrey got hurt. But this is a guy that's another Swiss Army knife. And mm-hmm. I, I credit Scott Turner that he finds ways to get creative with guys that can do more than just play one position. And he did that with Antonio Gibson, found a role for McKissick and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, I, I guess I, I love the signing. I know you guys do, too. Um, but I don't know what his like role will be. Do you think we'll see him primarily in the slot? Like will it be on the outside on the opposite side of Terry? Will we see him in the backfield or, you know, what are we going to see the same level of productive productivity that he had in Carolina last season? Yeah. I want him to do whatever he did the day they played us. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he did against us. I want him to do all the time. Now do that. <laughs> How about five catches on five targets for 106 yards and then yeah. seven rushes for 52. Do you know, I, that against a top three defense. Yeah, with you know, te- with I'm a limp uh, Teddy Bridgewater. 
I'm, I'm always tortured by a signing that we made like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Oh my God. Um, when we signed Ant- Antoine Randall, who killed us when we played him. And then we put a slot receiver, former quarterback on the outside on opposite of Santana Moss. And, you know, that's not Antoine Randall's fault. Like that, that wasn't his game. And, you know, I just don't want to put Curtis Samuel in a position that doesn't suit his skill set. And I don't know if that's not being on the outside or, or what, but you're going to have to get creative with him because um, he's not a guy that you can play. Like you're, you're not going to be throwing fades to this guy in the end zone. No, I, they should never throw fades ever again. Ever. Unless Except the Logan Thomas. I'm good with the I was going to say, I was going to say the same thing. Unless it's Logan Thomas. He, yeah. he can do, or even you know, Cam Sims got up there against you the Steelers. Know, Malcolm Kelly, Malcolm Kelly, maybe throw him in there. I was more serious. Ian. <laughs> hey, um, Ian, what are your what are your overall thoughts on Curtis Samuel? How happy are you? Excited are you? I am stoked about Curtis Samuel. That's all. That's all I wanted during free agency. Mm-hmm. Like the one, the one name that I wanted. I wanted positions filled, but that was mm-hmm. the one name that I really wanted. And watching all those highlights, Scott Turner's going to put them everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're going to have no idea how to play against it. Yeah. I mean, what what do you do? I mean, you could have a scenario where you have McKissick, Gibson, and him all on the field at the same time. Correct. With all, three, all three can run, and all three can run routes as well. Like, yep. So how do, you, how do you match up against that? I mean – the NFL is starting to go towards a positionless type of structure. So, I mean, he, he fits that bill. And, you know, I just, I just hope that he's going to be put in the right position positions. I think it will. I try, I trust Scott. Mm-hmm. I think a lot also depends on, <clears throat> well, I'm not too worried about the running backs, but a lot also depends on another tight end. Mm-hmm. And if what we saw from Cam Sims is real. All right. That was my next question. Are you guys, are you good at receiver or do you want more? I don't know. Good. I don't, yeah, I think I'm good. I don't know what else would we get for more. Like, I wouldn't have been mad if we got Will, for, Will Fuller too, but he just, he just signed elsewhere for a one year sure. deal. So Miami and my, yeah, yeah, that's not no harm, no foul in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think we're done with the position because I, I like Cam Sims and we're also getting Kelvin Harmon back, which a lot of people are that forgetting about. Is a great point. I, I think he would have had a, a big role. Um, I think he would have had a big role this past season had he not tore his ACL. And I think we got some really good bench guys with um, depth guys like Cam Sims and like Harmon, and maybe Gandy Golden's going to turn into that. I mean, one of those, if you hit on one of those three, that's good. I'm, I'm good on the Steven Sims experiment. Well, um, there's no need for him now with Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, if. You know, one of these stud receivers falls to us at 19. If, like, by some miracle, Devontae Smith falls to us at Alabama or, like, Chase from LSU or something like that, and you want to go just their best player available, I get it. I mean, you're in, you're primarily in three receiver sets. So um, I wouldn't be mad because, oh my God, Tom, you're doing it. <laughs> but I'm just, more notes. No, 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 no. Uh- I, you're you're getting me too excited <laughs> at the pros- at the prospect of one of those receivers falling to us at 19, and then you're just adding that to Terry, to Samuel, to Antonio Gibson, to Logan Thomas, to JD McKissick, to Ryan Fitzpatrick, just slinging it with that defense behind them. Fuck it, I'm going deep. 
You know he is. <laughs> and I'm okay going, with that. He's going deep at night. How too, much right? have we been asking for that since Kirky? Like, just throw the ball downfield. Who, who cares? Just give us a chance. And, uh, we're, and we're, getting next, we're getting that next year. We're, we're doing the complete opposite of what we do. What Ryan Fitzpatrick is, Alex Smith was the complete opposite. You went from you know, check down Charlie to I don't give a fuck Fred. <laughs> All right. I, I got, I kind of got an idea. This was my shower thought tonight. And I mentioned this earlier about bargain hunting. Cause that's really, I mean, we, we made the playoffs because of how we struck gold on these bargain um, deals that we made. There is most likely going to be a receiver that we can get at a bargain price. And that would be Antonio Brown. <laughs> I cannot believe Antonio Brown won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. That's so annoying. I mean, you could put if you want another receiver to play inside or outside. He behaved himself. So remember, I was I brought that up. <clears throat> I was gonna you just never know he's going to fucking pop off again. Yeah, I don't he's think. In- yeah, I don't think Ron has the patience for that. I don't think he'll do it. I think he does. I mean, he, he dealt with a lot of personalities in Carolina. Like, Remember we had Robert on and he said our narrative of what a Ron guy is is not correct. <laughs> He's like, Ron has patience with a lot of guys that have mm-hmm. diva personalities. Okay, but diva's personalities is different than having a domestic violence history. Also true. true. I meant more so, like, yes, he dealt with Cam, but Cam doesn't have, like, Three accusations and against him record. of beating a woman. That is a very good point. That's what that's what my Mormon. I don't think Ron has well, the patience for that. Well, my what I was trying to explain is that you know, if he's there still next month and you want to take a flyer on him, I mean, we've done this before and it worked out with Deshaun Jackson. Um, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, it just adds because we we have said for years now this team just needs more playmakers. And Deshaun they actually we worked so, out for that one are, year desperate for playmakers and um and especially if we're not going to be able to get a quarterback to the you know the talent level of the matt stafford or what these young like the justin fields and and zach wilson and stuff like that we're not going to get those guys so you need to put a lot of talent around ryan fitzpatrick so if that's your strategy i mean that that makes sense Or, and I got another, the other one is, it looks like the Jets are potentially interested in Juju, which would then free up Jamison Crowder. I'd be down for a reunion. Would he? That's the question. <clears throat> New regime. It's not the same. I mean, it's Dan Snyder, but it's not. You should never let him go. Uh, is, he, is he a free agent? Is he unrestricted? unrestricted? No, he would be. If, they, if the Jets signed another receiver, the, they would cut him. Just a thought. You heard it here I would, first. I would, I would love to have James. And then that means you can throw Curtis definitely on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's a true slop. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. I, I, like, I like the draft idea more. And it doesn't even have to be a receiver. I like the prospect of drafting the best player at a position of need at 19. Whether that's yeah. a receiver, whether that's a tight end, Probably not a tight end first round, but yeah. whether that's offensive lineman or some balls. if it's oh, Pitts, Pitts gone by. yeah, but I know, yeah. but it, that's the only time I'd be okay with taking oh, a tight end. Sure. Or or one of those Notre Dame tight ends, those fucking six six boys, <laughs> six yeah, eight, yeah. Um, yeah. or a middle linebacker, you know, like that I, kid from Penn State. 
So I, I love when it comes to draft season, I, I, what's so interesting about the NFL is, as you mentioned last time, Bobby, free agency happens first. So then you can start to eliminate what you're going to do in the draft most likely. And so with what we've seen thus far, the like position of needs, like I think with the signing of William Jackson, that just rolled out cornerback, we're probably not going to draft a corner in the first round. Um, you know, I, I would doubt that we're going to take a receiver even though if one, one of those guys falls to us, it, it's going to be tempting. Um, but, you know, that still allows us to draft a quarterback if one of us falls. Or, you know, this could give us the best, um, you know, one of the best tackles, a left tackle of the future, even though I am totally fine with Cornelius Lucas going into next season. 100%. Got no problem with that. Um, he did not get enough credit because he played really, really well. Um, you know, I, I would say really, because I wrote down like what's next, and Ian, you just mentioned this, and I really think if we can get one of these young linebackers in the draft in the first round, especially this kid from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa looks like the new linebackers are now like, are like 220, 215. Like they're big safeties. And this guy can play, um, you know, in a base package, nickel package, play at the slot, safety, can blitz another positional another versatile linebacker and if we can get one of those attacking like sideline to sideline athletes to go alongside with Cole Holcomb you're looking at like a that's a championship level defense in my opinion yes which is just oh. God, that's fucking nice it's him it's him <laughs> and that Penn State kid are like the two linebackers in this class right yeah Micah Parsons and Micah Parsons and, and, yeah and Parsons sat out. Have- a top two defense or a top two offense? Top two defense. I think we can get by with a, a mediocre offense. We just did. We just proved yeah. that we could do it. <laughs> yeah. I get so I get so jazzed up like watching yeah. the fucking defense. You and Rome are two minds in this two peas in a pod. My dad gets so hyped. He would take defense nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, and twice on Sundays. He gets so hyped on good defense. He doesn't. He doesn't care about the offense. If he says defense will always win if it's the best on the field. Now he's I right. Love offense, but I just I I, I get chubby's watching. It's like game. it's like uh, what were we talking about the other week? Offense is the sexy pick, but it's not yeah. the right pick. Well, it, it's to a baseball analogy about? like that we like to use is you know good pitching beats good hitting more often than not. Yeah. You know, I I guess you would say a good defense beats a good offense more often than not. Even though the NFL is designed for the offense to succeed, strikeouts are yeah. sexy too, though, Tom. True. All right. So, if we're closing in on the uh, Washington football or the end of the Washington football start to free agency conversation, yeah. wanted to throw yeah. this out there because now this seems like the one stat that I had that Tom did not have. Um, oh shit! Unless you already had it and you didn't get to sque- you didn't squeeze it in yet. But- <laughs> Pro Football Focus has been doing um, these. In, oh, I imp- saw that. Yeah, improvement index graphs. Yeah. On how teams are improving uh, throughout free agency, and with every signing, they update it. Washington Football Team after Curtis Samuel is atop of the graph, and this is um, percent improvement and wins above replacement, so WAR in football based on offseason roster moves. So through the Curtis Samuel signing, uh, and this is percentage of improvement index change. Washington is slightly ahead of New England at a little looks like a little over seven percent. The rest of the NFC East, all the negative. Oh, triple eyebrows, 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 eyebrows. <laughs> and how about the Eagles are third to last? 
oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. They are in salary cap hell, and it is my heaven. Yep. And, and nobody's took us with the division. <laughs> I mean, it's too early to do that, but they, they will. I mean, this is what we had to do because we had the 19th pick. We don't have the luxury of being in the top 10 to get one of these, you know, studs. Like, you know, we're not, unless one of them falls to us. So you got to be aggressive in free agency. And they were aggressive. And, you know, two-thirds of the guys that they signed are still in their mid-20s. So they're in the prime of their careers. That's true. And, and the other guy's a stop a stopgap guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how he's, about- he's a safe play. I, I'd rather him than Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Yeah. Who's now a backup? Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we talked about this too. Washington entered this offseason with $30 million in cap space. That was the fifth in the NFL. The Cowboys had only 19. That was also before they signed Dak. So that has changed. The Giants Ooh. were just under 1 million in cap space, and the Eagles were 47 million over the cap um, starting the season. Um, and now, this is, I, th- I thought this was interesting too. Uh, so far, 11 of the top 15 spenders in free agency are from the AFC, which is fine. That has no effect on us. But Washington is in the top 10 at only $85 million in terms of free agent spending. That is not a lot in my mind, especially when you see New England dropping $245 million. And the top five have all spent at least $109 million. I, I love how Bill Belichick's version of bad 7-9, and nine, which is like you know a win for us, and yeah. it's just like, there's no effing like, way never this is happening again. Two, both top two, both top tight ends, two receivers, two linebackers. I mean, he is coming out with a vengeance. And nobody ever wins buying free agency. But if anybody's going to win buying free agency, it's going to be Bill Belcher. And he'll yeah. make sure of it. Um, it gets better. Washington is only 10th in the NFL in terms of total money guaranteed at 32, only $32 million. That does not seem like a lot total guaranteed money in terms of their spending so far in the off season. Whereas yeah. new England has guaranteed $139 million. That is so much money. And Washington is like pretty much the bottom of the top third. That is in my mind. Fantastic. I mean, they're just doing it the right way. They're spending and they're spending smartly. That's like almost for me, that's like the sweet spot where you want to be. You want to be like in the top 10 of guys spending, but you don't want to be in like the top five. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think they're doing a great job. So I thought those were interesting numbers to throw out in terms of not not only who they've signed, but how much of they've of their salary cap that they've spent and how wise they're doing. Because it's something that we haven't seen in so long. Yeah. And uh, do you think we're done with the, I mean, big signings for the rest of the rest of the way? I mean, I think. I don't know, but we're still going to make signings. It depends how you define big. big. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to go after like a big left tackle or something like that. No. Uh, Especially with what we just saw Trent Williams. Oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah. How about that year off really hurt him? How about the how about the Giants are second behind uh, New England with 156 million dollars spent, and a large did, portion of that is to Trent Williams. Did they um? Did the Giants sign Kenny Galladay? No, he's visiting them with ton- he's visiting with them tonight. He visited with okay. the Bears yesterday or earlier today. Yeah, well, you can go to Chicago. Yeah, please go to Chicago. Go play with Dalton. Yeah. 
Just poor Bears fans. Well, that's the thing. So, like, it's really only us and the Giants in our division spending. Philly's trying to cut costs, and, you know, Jerry's paying. Dallas still found a way to pay Dak. Jerry's paying a half a billion dollars to Dak, Zeke, and Amari Cooper. That's, like, he's paying, like, half of his payroll to three players, all on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, I think even if the Giants get Kenny Galladay, we have been by far the best team in the NFC East in terms of this offseason. It's obviously super early, but it's not even close, even if they get Galladay, in my mind. Now, the Giants will have weapons, and they, for whatever fucking reason, always beat us. But Daniel Jones I, beats us. They love playing us. Daniel Jones does. He? We're the only team he beats. God. Damn, that's, so, that's so annoying. Oh, you're right. He he is undefeated against us. Yeah, we haven't beat Daniel Jones. He only has one other win as a starter against another team. I think he got another one. <laughs> okay, no. two. Regardless, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's not good. Not. not great, Bob. Hey, Bob. So the the Patriots obviously are going hold my beer, and then look what the Bucks are doing too. I mean, they brought back Levante David, Shaq Barrett, uh, Chris Godwin was franchise tag. Gronk is coming back. Tom Brady signed another. And he's friendly. Yeah. structured deal for him to stay even longer. I mean, must be they nice. are they are really running it back. I, mean, I hate it so much. Bruce Arians is a good coach, man. Yeah. Players yeah. like him. I'm glad I'm glad he finally got one. Yeah. So they're I mean they're really gonna be because you know Atlanta's in, in turnover, same with Carolina and then now that Drew Brees retired with the Saints, I mean that's the Bucks division Probably easily. Um, it would seem. Yeah, and then so that was the big news of the of this week too, with um, Drew Brees calling it a career twenty seasons with the Chargers and Saints. Drew Brees and Jameis Winston was resigned, and I know Taysom Hill is still there, so I guess Sean Payton will figure something out. But how much that fucking Taysom Hill contract? It, uh, I don't understand it. <laughs> what was it? One hundred forty million, something like that. I saw. Uh, I saw a. Uh, I think it was a. It had to be a, a stimmy thing, but it was like <laughs> Drew Brees retires, <laughs> and uh, John Payne was like, "All right, give me Taysom." <laughs> he loves himself some Taysom Hill. Loves it. He really, really does, and he's. Only throw. Did he finally get his touchdown? I don't remember. Throwing? He was like for the longest time hadn't thrown a touchdown yet. I think once he got the starts, he, he got maybe. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I, th- I think he did. Sean Payton's infatuation with him is so funny. I think he'll make it work, though. I mean, he, he's a great coach. I, agree. I thought. I, agree. I feel bad for Drew. I think it's time Four, for him to retire Four. because his body's not. Yeah, that that last playoff game, it was just, <laughs> it was hard to see him like that. Yeah. And I feel like if he, I don't know, and he also got so many. We know New Orleans's playoff recent playoff history, so many mm-hmm. bad breaks. He did, and then to be hurt at the end of the season, and that was that was brutal. And then he did win a title. He's he's got a ring. He's got one. He's got one. I hate, but it's like. 
he should have. I mean, he's kind of like the Peyton thing. I mean, Peyton ended mm-hmm. up with two, but Peyton should have had more than that. Drew Brees mm-hmm. should have more than one. I really hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't finish with one, but he should have definitely more than one. Aaron Rodgers should have won that fucking game against the Bucks. Oh my god, don't get me started. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, all right, so we're gonna move on to the next sporting topic, and that is March Madness is here. I'm actually watching the play-on games as we speak. Same as I know with uh, Selection Sunday, I wasn't nervous at all, guys. You got a little nervous. I weren't you. Um, not as, we were in. yeah, not nearly as much as you for a half second. But then when I saw when I saw Michigan State, when I, well, they were in our bracket. It was someone before <clears> that, someone before, and they were like a a thirteen or something like. And I was like, oh, if they're in, we're definitely. Oh, it was Syracuse. If Syracuse got in, I was like, oh, we're we're definitely getting in. Yeah, but I was just so worried because we ended the season so poorly, and but last weekend was amazing and. You know, I, I saw someone mention this on Twitter, and I, I could not agree with them more. I, I wish I could credit for them. But, you know, college basketball is better when Georgetown is in the conversation. And, um, you know, Patrick Ewing has has paid his dues as an assistant coach in the NBA and has wanted a head coaching gig for decades and finally has a chance to go back to his alma mater. And it's been a disappointment thus far. But then they go on this tear and win the Big East and, you know, it, it's hard not to root for them. And I know it's, you know, if you ask our parents' generation, there's a lot of vitriol towards Georgetown. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a great story. I'm rooting for them. And I, I think the more local teams in this tournament, the the better. And, um, you know, especially Georgetown, um, because there's such a, you know, unique history for such a, a small little private Catholic school in D.C. Yeah. Tom, you and I were watching that championship game against Creighton together, mm-hmm. and we had the same conversation. I, I think, like, I think my dad grew up hating. He had to have hated Georgetown. I had no such hate for Georgetown because one, Maryland, because we ne- didn't play them. Ne- yeah, we never played them. Two, in my mind, they were the college with the great history that represented DC basketball, whereas Maryland yep. represented Maryland, so it was different. Mm-hmm. And then three, John Thompson the third went to Gonzaga, so there's another reason for me to for. Uh, to root for him because he was the oh, head coach, the head coach for so long. Yeah, his so um so I had no problem. I've always liked Georgetown except for when they play Maryland, mm-hmm. um and the past couple of years. And I was, I think it was even earlier this year. I don't think I said it on the podcast because I don't think we talked about it. But I was like, you know what, this hiring of Patrick Ewing is bad. It was yeah. It just looked like they just hired a famous alum to take yeah. over just for the sake of doing it. Um. But I mean, credit to him. I'm happy for him. I know. I, I think I, I said my dad hated them, but I he said that he was happy for him because think about yeah. Patrick Ewing's career. He played he played at the wrong time in the NBA. I mean, he, yes, he did. Talk about guys yeah. who should have a title. He should have a title. Yeah. Uh, he obviously lost that game to Villanova in the championship game when he played at Georgetown. So, um, and I think it was also they won that game on the anniversary that John Thompson the second was hired originally hired as the Georgetown head coach. So that was pretty cool. And he, of course yes. he just passed away last year or yep. a couple and months ago. So Georgetown's a 12 seed, but they are an easy pick to, as an upset over, um, who are they playing? Colorado. Colorado. Okay. In our bracket too. Oh, wow. Other side, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're both in the East. 
And then Maryland being a 10 seed playing UConn, a, a school that we have a history with. I believe we beat them in the Elite Eight as when we won the national championship. Let me check that. And I watched like those old highlights. I mean, UConn had three lottery picks on that team with Karan Butler and Mecca Okafor and Ben Gordon. We still won. Um, that, I, I said it in the group chat. That has to be one of the greatest just basketball games the tournament mm-hmm. has ever seen. Yeah. Back and forth. The final score was like 92 to, what, 88, 80, something. I mean, so high scoring. Steve Blake hit, hit in the go-ahead three after. I think that was the only shot he made of the game. He did. Um, I remember watching that game, too, and when he hit that, I was like, no, yes! Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I also watching those highlights, I watched the same highlights that you did, Tom. Lonnie Baxter, man, he had himself a game in he that really game. Did. Had he got shots off? Because like Emeka Okafor was taller than him, they had another mm-hmm. big guy that was bigger than him, but he just muscled his way in Everybody there. He was taller than him. He just he had that big butt oh and those God. soft hands mm-hmm. and shoulders. Man, he was he was a he wide dude. And especially with you know college basketball back then, still wasn't really like wide open, heavy transition. It was you know it was slow paced and you know a half court type game, which fit LB to uh, fit him like a glove. That was his oh, game. Yeah. He wasn't even very tall. He just he could always Ooh, was he like six nine, six ten, maybe I think shorter. I than think six ten. I, I, I would I would max him at six ten. I think he was listed as six ten. Uh, no, he's listed as six eight. Six eight two sixty from Silver Spring, Maryland. My guy, huh. where do you go to high school? Uh, does not say. Hold on. His wiki probably says. Oh, he went to Hargrave Military Academy in Virginia. I knew that. Yeah, because Hargrave was Fork Union's uh, fucking rock. Fuck Hargrave. Except <laughs> <laughs> for LB. Except for LB all day. Yeah, he's a big dude. Um, is, is he in prison? No. Or he was. Did he, I think he got out, right? No, he, that was not oh, That was in 07. Okay. Yeah, because I, I have pictures of him with him on my phone at Maryland football tailgates. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, I guess, you know, our expectations for our Terrapins going into this tournament aren't, aren't particularly high. We are, you know, kind of limping into the um, into this tournament as we speak. But, you know, we, we have an opportunity. I know UConn's favorite. I believe uh, the spread is three right now. But, I mean, do we have any expectations? I mean, is this a game do you think we could win or or, or what? I think this is definitely a game we can win. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to pick Maryland to win this game. Did you know, and th- I have to give credit to, this, this is another stat that I think that I have that Tom does not. Um, I have to give this credit to actually Byron Kerr, formerly of MadisonSports.com and uh, former podcast co-host of mine. Did you know that Maryland is 25-3 and all time in their first game of the tournament? Damn. Really? I thought that was... Even and I just made the same face. I thought that was totally... He texted me that, and I was like, that can't be right. They've lost at least five times in my lifetime. Right. And I looked it up, and he was... It's right. They've all... just all three in recent memory? Well, so here's the thing, though. Yeah, probably. But... So, yeah, it obviously dates back to, like, the 50s and 60s, and, of course, the 80s with Lenny Bias, and they were really good. So, um, like, a lot of those came, not a lot, but a handful of them came before the expansion to 64 teams. So, the first, it was like the round of 32, so that was the first round, and they won 
and they went to Sweet 16. Because I was like, they only have 14 Sweet 16s. That, so I don't know how much that says about Maryland, but they have 25 wins in the first round, but only 14 Sweet 16s. Mm-hmm. Um, and only two since 06? Or 03, no, two since 03, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, Turgeon, Turgeon's gone to one Sweet 16 in his career here. Um, um, but that's a good two side drag. So 25 and three all time in the first and their opening game of the tournament. Um, and I think they match up well against this UConn team. Look, this UConn team, the big East was not as good as it's been. Even Villanova wasn't as good as they've been in the past. Obviously they went that stretch where they won two out of three national titles, but Really, I, looking at their roster, UConn, I mean, not roster, their schedule, UConn beat who they were supposed to beat and lost to who they were supposed to lose to. And their only really impressive win was against USC, but that was in, like, November. So I don't know how much stock you want to put in that. You know, how much of it a benefit is it that we played in the hardest schedule, the hardest conference in the country? And I think that's a huge benefit because, like, kind of to my point, I think they played a soft schedule and we played a much harder schedule. Okay. And our... Oh, I have to double check, but I want to say our um, uh, records are pretty similar. Let's see. Big U- uh, UConn was, uh, they were 15 and 7. We were 16. Th- so we played a lot more games than they did and a lot harder games. Okay. The AD, the AD was there yesterday at the bar, and I asked him, what do we think our chances are? He said, I think we match up really well against UConn. I, I, I think we win that game, but then he said probably the second second round. I don't think we beat Alabama. Yeah, that's exactly what he said, too. Alabama mm-hmm. looked so good. In the Alabama? Like, I know. I said the same thing. I was like, <laughs> any given year, I would say Maryland should always beat Alabama in basketball. Yes. But this year, not the case. Watching that Alabama team and even LSU in that SEC championship game on Sunday, oh, my God, are they legit. Yeah. They can run. They can run, run. Um, <laughs> you know I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. And then I, you know, one of the other questions I, I post to the group chat is, you know, the I think like the overwhelming favorite favorite right now is Gonzaga. They're undefeated on this season. Is this the year that they're finally going to break through? Because Mark Few has Mark Few's program is is incredible, um, but he, he's Never won a title. I mean, is this his best shot? Yeah. I think it's his best shot. It's his best team. It's his most complete team, which is saying a lot because he's had a lot of really good teams. And I also think this year the competition may not be. I mean, he only, I only see them having a hiccup in, until the final four, honestly. Mm-hmm. Who's their two seed? Their two seed in their region is Iowa. I think they had, and. I think they can handle Iowa pretty pretty easily. Uh, if Iowa gets hot, they can pretty much beat anybody. And then, like, but then you know it's always going to be a tough matchup playing Virginia because they're beat. You know the defense that they play down in Charlottesville is, is incredible. Um, they actually haven't been that good this year in recent mm-hmm. uh, compared to recent years. But you I do know, think it, I do. It, I it's so chalk. It's almost too chalk to pick them to win it all. Mm-hmm. But I, I really think they, I mean, watching the few times I've actually seen them play, they're top to bottom fantastic. Like, I, I, it's hard to pick out a weakness on that team. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at potential hurdles for them. 
I mean, again, yeah, UVA's defense is always going to be a challenge. Uh, Iowa, especially if they can get um, their big man going, of course. But, I mean, they got a relatively easier path than – well, I mean, that's why they're the, the top seed in the yeah. entire tournament. But, I mean, look at the – just the bracket that we're in. I mean, Michigan's tough. They could win a title, no problem. Georgetown's really hot right now. I mean, they could um, – you know, run the tape. They could, you know, get into the Sweet 16. LSU gave Alabama everything they were worth, and they almost won the SEC tournament. Alabama. Florida, yeah, Florida State is really well coached with Leonard Hamilton. They're always a really tough physical team to play come tournament time. And, you know, then you have two – you have Shaka Smart coming off a really good year with Texas uh, this season too. I mean, there's – this bracket is a gauntlet in my opinion. I think the fourth one always is because it goes – like a snake kind of dragged around. Got it. But yeah, I mean, like, I Colorado and Florida State both made their conference championship games. I think they both lost mm-hmm. when they, they both were upset, but they both were in there. And Texas yeah. obviously won theirs. Um, I mean, and not to mention, you what you don't see here is that if Michigan State wins tonight, they'll be in there. They'll be playing BYU, which is a game they could easily win. And you know, Michigan. I mean. Gotta hate them, but Tom Izzo gets them playing at the right time every year. Yeah. And then speaking of former players going to the alma mater, Juwan Howard, what he's done at Michigan has been incredible. I mean, he had a long NBA career, then then learned from uh, one of the best coaches in the NBA, in my opinion, with Eric Spolstra. I mean, he, he's done just an unbelievable job um, in Ann Arbor. I know he doesn't like our coach, but... Um, I was, why, yeah. why did Turgeon back away from that comment? I fucking love that comment. The one that he said to Juwan, it's like, don't get used to hanging the raft. Don't get used to hanging the banner. You Apparently guys he didn't say it. Down. Huh? Apparently he didn't say it. I heard that he did say it. No, I, someone just said that they saw him on thought, TV say it. Yeah, I thought Turgeon has denied. Like he's he, denied. Adam, he denied it, and Juwan Howard didn't say anything about it. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's true, but it doesn't seem likely. But I was going to say, I'm... You know, you guys know me. I am like partially a Michigan fan. Like I don't, I actively root against them. Obviously, when they play the Terps, but I root for them almost every single time, just because family friend ties. I was really bothered by that confrontation, and I was like, "Do I hate Juwan Howard now? Like, fuck off, sir." Fuck off. Because he said he was going to kill Mark Turgeon, (laughs) and I was like, "What? They were they were up by like ten at that point." I was so mad. And then he said, um, and then Turgeon said that he does it every time. Apparently, Dwan, Dwan Howard just does not stop talking during the games, and that would drive me insane. I would well, want to, I would want to fight, fight him too. So maybe I hate him. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. Like, you know, rivalries in, in college sports, it's not something that you can, like, force. Like, it just kind of has to organically grow. Yeah. And... You know, it's been what ten years in the Big Ten, and I still has it really been like, ten years? No, like can't be. No, because my no, because my wait, fuck, it might be. It's coming up on ten years. Twenty fourteen. Okay, so two more years. I was like, my first couple of years in in college, we were still in the ACC. Got it. The golden I'm, years. Bobby's so young. I miss it. I miss it so much. I watched highlights today from the 2004 ACC championship 
or actually the whole tournament, but the, obviously the championship game. Oh my god, yeah. that was so much fun. They were showing highs from like the Virginia Clemson eight versus nine seed play in game, and I was like, I hate both of these teams. <laughs> yeah. so, I, I I follow this Twitter handle that shows random college athletes, and they showed Ju- Julius Hodge, and I just immediately got pissed oh. off. <laughs> Rumor has it he's still playing to this day. Yeah, at he NCAA. does. That's what yeah. when you sent that, I was like, no, that that that's a misprint. Four years <laughs> of my ass. <laughs> that dude played minimum seven years. Ian loathed that man. Loathed that motherfucker. <laughs> Piece of shit. Oh, the the, uh, the two thousand two. He was really skinny and he was always shit talking. The two thousand two ACC. Yeah, he did. Two thousand two ACC tournament. They knocked us out when we were the one seed, but we uh, knocked them out when they were the. Two seed. Yeah, that, we, in this we beat them on the way to win the and ACC, that, and that was his senior year. He was my most hated non-Duke. Yeah, player by far, and not even close. Like I, Ew. I really didn't hate UNC when we were in the ACC. Like they I were, like they, they weren't good. We had a mutual enemy. They didn't. They didn't bother me at all. And actually, that yeah. 2004 year, that was Roy Williams's first year as coach. So yeah. after that, they started getting good. I also realized. During this documentary that I watched this morning, that was Chris Paul's freshman year. I thought that was at least his junior year or like sophomore year. That was, he was a freshman in 04. And you know, it was my number, and Bobby, my number two most hated non Duke player was Wake Forest, and that was Josh Howard. I really did not like him very oh, much. I like Josh Howard. Jared Jack. Oh, I didn't like him either. And I respect Jared Jack, though. So, yeah, I, and that's the thing. Like, it's been, okay, my bad, seven years in the Big yeah, Ten. And, like, there's fine. still, like. I don't give a fuck about the Big Ten. Yeah. I want to hate these. It's I so mean, unfortunate. I hate Ohio they're... State. I know Tom hates I hate, Wisconsin. I hate Wisconsin. I hate Penn State. I hate just Penn State. Of... Not just because of Umo. There's a lot of, actually, I like Penn State more because of Umo. That's true. I agree with you. I hate Penn State for a lot of reasons, and Umo makes them and, seem more normal. And because they're a fucking basketball school, they're not. And they kill. They, which they I kill feel them. like they, they. The only reason they're beating us is because of Umo. There's there. You cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> but those are like I don't hate. I mean, I hate Michigan State basketball. I don't hate them in football. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about Illinois, Northwestern. Iowa, Rutgers. I, Rutgers is our rival. Yeah, don't give a fuck about Nebraska. Nebraska. We play them once in a blue moon in football and once in basketball a year. Like, that's one of the things. That Rutgers is in there. Minnesota, don't give a shit. The ACC is like, we could, we were driving distance pretty for the majority of all the schools that we were playing. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, we should not, like, these student athletes should not be traveling to, flying to Nebraska to play a conference. Foe. Or Wisconsin but, or Minnesota. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like if you're going in a different time zone, like no, we're good. Also, uh, I feel like we're like we're like intruding on their tradition. Like there are like rivalries in the Big Ten that are going on for like a hundred years. Like the little brown jug has been given out for a hundred years. Paul Bunyan's axe, like eighty plus years. And we're like, here's Maryland trying to play like Minnesota and Wisconsin, who've been playing each other since the 1800s. It's like we don't fit in. And, no, we and don't. generally <laughs> speaking, though, and, and Bobby, we've had this debate before, but really, where basketball has gone, and you know, maybe the NBA and the in college NCAA can figure some kind of middle ground. But 
you know, the, I feel like the reason why we hated the Julius Hodges of the world, and, and you mentioned Jarek Jack and, and Josh Howard and, you know, all of these players, these athletes that we grew up that felt like they were there for a decade, and that's because they stayed. Um, yes. And you, you know, this is a sport now that is dominated by one and duns. And, I mean, you got to learn who these guys are each and every year, and it's, it's hard to keep up. But the like, other, th- the other thing too, like, other, than, sorry, go ahead. other than Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma state, like who I would, you know, give my left pinky for, but, um, what about your right pinky? I use that to actually, off. you know what? Maybe it is my right pinky because my left, uh, this is this, this pinky is more important for guitar. Okay. Well then <laughs> would you give up your left pinky still? No, I'm going to go right. <laughs> well, I don't know. You already got her. You're, you're already married. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, to add on to that, Tom, like, I think it's also looking back, it was just a different era, too, because you mentioned the guy staying, but also adding on that you played every team in your conference a lock twice a year. Mm -hmm. And in football, you played every team in your conference at least once a year. Maryland doesn't Mm -hmm. play half the conference in in football. Maryland only plays half the conference once in basketball. And and that's because the ACC was only nine teams back then. Even when they expanded adding Virginia Tech, Miami, and Boston College, I remember being like, I don't want, I don't want them. <laughs> like, they're, you're not right. I hated that. Yeah. <laughs> I got used to it. I mean, I got like, used I to just, it. Now I just consider them ACC. Like, I, I, but I just, yeah. it's been seven years already, but it doesn't feel like we're Big Ten. No. But I also hate, like, because it, I mean, I understand why conferences are expanding this way. And this is obviously divulging into a whole different conversation than what we originally like planned it. on. I do too. So we'll, let's, let's go with it. But like, I hate like there are some seasons where it's like take Ohio State for example. Obviously, they're a fantastic program in football, but some years it's easier for them to win than others because they don't play everybody, you know. Or sometimes it's easier for maybe vice versa. It's like easier for Wisconsin to get to the Big Ten championship game because they don't play Ohio State or Michigan that year. Well, and that's in general. You don't speaking, need fucking fourteen teams in a conference that's supposed to have ten. Yeah, like well, when you think about it, in addition to that, the reason why Maryland's in the Big Ten to begin with is the Big Ten wanted the DC market, and it was all dependent on college. Like college football reigns supreme, and, and that's why, like, I feel like we're the to the detriment of us because it's never been a sport that has been identified with University of Maryland. Like it's been basketball, and you have like the traditional Big East powers and. You know, I, I just kind of feel like a, a small fish in a big pond um, where in which I know like we, we talk like Loxley is trying to run a, a, a good program here. But I mean, I just never think there's going to be a scenario in which we're going to be able to compete with the Ohio States and the Michigans and the and the Penn States of the world because they have, you know, a century long history of being, you know, at the at the top of the food chain. Um it just feels like we're being like, you know, on the front lines with the, you know, the first to die in a horror movie. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just, it, it sucks because you have all these, you know, really prestigious basketball schools that have to suffer because, you know, college football, you know, rakes in the most money. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, we're not in the big 10 for football. We're in the big 10 because we were supposedly bringing them basketball pedigree. Um. But, Thanks, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, and again, because they wanted the DC market, which well, they, they, yeah, yeah, that's market. it. 
we're one of 12 cities in the country that have all four major sports. I mean, I, I get it from a business standpoint and a lot of alumni live in this area. So I, I get it, but it's just kind of taken like, I really, the, really, that's when my, my affinity and love for college basketball started to go was when, you know, I watch every Maryland game as much as I can, but it's just like, they were like, here were the Redskins, like in, ter- in terms of like my, like most important team and Maryland basketball wasn't too far under that. Yeah. I mean, that was the best thing. That was our, that was must see TV for us growing up. That was the only team worth watching growing up. Mm-hmm. I would get that TV guide every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I would just I would fucking mark which days it would be on UPN 20. Yeah. It's like seven o'clock. Let's fucking ride. Right. Bobby, so a TV guy. All right. I knew you were going to do that. And I was going <laughs> to say, we did this like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just, and I, I love college football. I mean, they, I, I get why they are in, they, they, they are the top of the food chain, so to speak, but it's really taken away from, you know, the Maryland's and, you know, what are you talking about that, that historic big East with St. John's and Syracuse and Georgetown and Seton hall, like none of that shit exists anymore because, you know, they weren't making enough money in comparison to college football. Yeah. And then, you know, now the G league is going to be paying high school players if they want to go there instead. And, you know, the NBA is trying to figure out whether they're going to have a, one and done policy for college or they're just going to go back to high school. I don't know. It just kind of feels like basketball in general is in limbo in that regard. And I, I don't know what direction it's going in, but regardless, I feel like it's diluting the product. Yeah. yeah I think that's like a whole, yeah, that's a different like conversation in terms of where college basketball is going as a whole, mm-hmm. but in terms of just Maryland and, and being in the big 10, like I, I, I think we've all said before, we, we understand why Maryland's in the Big Ten now. Mm-hmm. For the money reasons, like you said, for the D.C. market for the Big Ten, and also for us, we get more money from the conference. They've got their own network. Um, they get more coverage nationally than the ACC. They brought us back all the other um, athletic programs that we had to cut because of, because we were broke. Like. And so, Thank you. It all makes sense. It all, have- it's always made sense. But yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean we have to like it. And, you know, kid, we're, we're kids who grew up with the ACC. And, you know, I see Florida State in our bracket and I want them to lose. Maybe. like, But Michigan and like Michigan State are also in our bracket and I don't have that vitriol for them. It's like we're in an arranged marriage with like yeah. a really nice guy, but we just don't yeah. love- <laughs> that's, that's a really good analogy. <laughs> That's that man, that checks out, you know, because when I'm thinking about our childhood and, you know, like I remember when we, we hate Duke with with a thousand souls. But one of the things I hated about them was like when we saw like Kyle Singler come to Durham, I'm like, I got to watch this asshole for four years, four fucking years. And, then and you Jay, know, they're there for four fucking years. And, you know, they're there. Like I have to watch Carlos Boozer in that in his stupid, weird face. For four yeah, years. Jane Battier with his fucking wave fucking forehead. Oh, my God. Like, and you know, that's the thing. Like, you develop, like, it takes more more than a year to, you know, develop this, you know, love and admiration or the opposite of that hatred towards other players. And it just seems it's so hard to play catch up. 
yeah. when this sport is now dominated by one and dones and primarily dominated by just a couple of programs, the Kentuckys and Dukes of the world. Like it's, 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 it's unfair. Well, how much I was, that kind of ties into what I was going to ask. How much of us not liking it or maybe not as accepting toward it is that on our fault, like we're not, it's because we're not that good, but it's because Maryland's basketball has been very mediocre except for that, two that's, seasons. That's and got a, that's got a lot to do with it. Football has sure. been terrible. Like if football has been good and Maryland is making like sweet 16s and elite eights every, every year, I think we're very content and happy with the move. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think also top to bottom, I mean, obviously I think top to bottom, I mean, AC has Clemson, but top to bottom, big 10 is better in football than the ACC. This year, sure. it wasn't even close, top to bottom. The Big Ten was better than the ACC in basketball this year. Duke didn't even make the tournament. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's part of that where it's like we're not even good and we're here. Like It's almost like if we're going to be like this, I would rather still be in the ACC. Yes. Because I then agree. at least we still have the old rivalries. And, I mean, this is kind of a loser mentality, but we have a better <laughs> chance of winning. Especially in yeah, football. I, hey, Especially in football. I'd much rather go eight and four in the ACC than, you know, four and eight in the Big Ten. I'm totally fine playing Pittsburgh and Louisville and Boston College and Wake Forest than having to go through Iowa, Michigan, and Michigan State. And I just, it, it's, I, I, it's seven years in and I'm still not on board. Sorry, Umo. Oh. <clears throat> I don't know what to tell we also- he just, he's going to bring up everything that Bobby just said about why it makes sense. We yeah. know it, Umo. We know it. <laughs> Umo, we know. But I fucking hate it. Imagine, <laughs> imagine like Umo just being thrown, like Penn State being thrown into the ACC. Mm-hmm. We can, it can make all the logical sense in the world, but you're not going to fucking like it. Yeah. Well, do you remember when we when the announcement was made? We're like, oh, we're going to do, we're going to win the Big Ten. <laughs> About that. We, that tweet aged well. We have one share of a Big Ten regular season title in basketball. I think we have. Surprise me. The furthest we made in the tournament was the semis that one year. God, last year sucked. Yep. I think. Really I think you know you know that like meme or like bit on Twitter's like what lives in your head rent free. Yeah. How good that team was and how their season got short last year lives in my head rent free, especially this time of year. I'm like, oh my God, that team probably would have won the Big Ten tournament and maybe made the Final Four. That was the best team playing the best that Turgeon has ever had yeah. at the right time. No, and I feel so bad for Anthony Cowan, who spent four That's- years, 40 minutes a night and couldn't see it through. I mean, that just sucks. Thanks, COVID. Fucking bitch. <laughs> Bobby, how are we doing on time? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't checked. It's been such a fun, fluent conversation. Wow, this shocks me. All right, we are at an hour 22. I thought we'd be well over an hour and a half. I thought we were near the hour 40 mark. Um, I, I know we kind of went off the rails, but I mean, it's just a, a good conversation about the NCAA in, in general because I... I truly think that college basketball could be in serious trouble if the NBA allows high schoolers to reenter the draft. And now that like, if I was a, you know, a four or five star recruit and I have an opportunity to either go to play, be a, go to college for a semester, then drop out or get paid 500 K to play in the G league 
I'm taking the G League every single time. Well, the ball, the balls have already set this precedent almost. The ball kids yep. by going to play overseas instead of going to college and mm-hmm. now playing in the NBA. Yeah, it, it was it was smart. That was and you know every yeah every top five recruits can be like, well, I can go get paid now. Yeah. The, the other thing too. Well, it's not just who 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 do you put the blame on, Tom? Is there a blame to be put? In terms, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm blaming the NCAA because it's a non-factor if the student athletes get paid. True. I mean, did you guys see that movement? I think it was this morning. Maybe it was yesterday of like college athletes saying that like hashtag NCAA don't owe me or something like that. Yeah. I don't. I butchered it, but like it was like this kid. It went viral. This this student athlete made a great point. It was like. Students who play in the band can make a song and sell it and make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, students, really? Yeah. If if you if you went to Maryland, like if Tom at Coastal wrote a song on his guitar and put it on uh, Spotify, I thought you meant say like for the band. No, 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 no. Well, like I mean, he. I mean, I'm guessing if you like if you take music classes and you say Tom played guitar in the Maryland mm-hmm. marching band. But on the side, if he wrote a song and sold it to Spotify, who who cares? Who's turning yeah. who's turning their head at that? And then it was something else like artists or something like that. But the point is, is like, well, the, the NCAA owns their likeness. It's like, why? I think if if it's resolved fully that student athletes can get paid, I think this whole G League one and done thing maybe doesn't not the final say, but it definitely helps. Well. I agree. And, you know, they, there's a, that other example of uh, the kicker at Central Florida was also had a really popular YouTube page that he was profitizing off of. And because he was profitizing off of that is an NCAA violation. And he had to choose between his YouTube career or his college football career, which is ridiculous. And I think the, the common ground for this, because, you know, with how Title IX works, like you can't just come up with like a monthly stipend where like if you're paying the starting point guard for Kentucky, you got to pay the starting second baseman on UCLA's softball team. Like, and, and like that doesn't make sense because there's only two sports in college sports that make money and that's football and basketball. Um, so they have them become independent contractors. Like if they want to go yeah. sign autographs for a day and make five grand doing it. Do it, all, it. it also becomes like a gender thing too. I feel like there could be a way to – for this to work out, but the NCAA is a billion dollar industry. They they want to have their cake and eat it. It also becomes like a gender thing too, because like then mm-hmm. I mean it doesn't matter. Like look, Maryland's a great example. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you, if I were to show you a team A and team B and the winning percentages over the past decade plus, mm-hmm. you would think team A being the Maryland women's team brings in all the money for the university. True. But they bring in very little because they're the women's team. Yeah. And so that's that's where that comes in too. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's a very. I, I think the solution, because I feel like it would be it's going to be quite a process and really hard to define paying college athletes. But you know, if the NBA works something out where they're going to allow high schoolers to re-enter the draft and have a, a G League, that's going. I mean, they've sunk almost half a billion dollars into it. Um, that still allows plenty of. I mean. And still the majority of college basketball basketball players are there for four years. Yeah. So, I mean, that could still make that a a good game. I mean, are you going to see 
stars like Zion Williamson play there for a few months? Probably not, but you know, that doesn't mean that college basketball isn't going to be worth watching. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I think I can very much see a scenario where, because it makes total sense for the NBA to do this, like make the G league popular, make it profitable. Um, And you do that by bringing the hottest young talent and have them skip college. How does the NCAA counter that? Pay the players. And, but then, then again, the NCAA is not going to want that because then they're going to lose their marketability. And well, no, no, you mean like the G league? Well, like if the NCAA, for example, like they're going to be pissed that they're not going to be able to advertise players like Zion Williamson for a year and stuff like that because they go to the G league. league. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So the, the, in my mind, at least I'm no economic expert or Mm -hmm. I clearly don't work for the NCAA, but in my mind, the solution would be if you pay the players, if I'm a high schooler and I'm picking, all right, I'm going to get paid X amount to go play in the G league for a year or a couple years, maybe never make it to the pros or go to college I can go to like I can go to Duke or Carolina or Kentucky and and you know be paid by those boosters. I I, I don't. It's obviously a personal decision, but I probably would lean toward that more than going to the mm-hmm. G League. But if they're not getting paid, it's an, it's a non decision. Yeah, I'm I'm going G League even with that. I feel like if you're like if they can develop a minor league system like they have in baseball and hockey, like I it it makes sense to me. Um, and then you, you eliminate NCAA violations. Yeah. So that's going to clean that up a lot, which is just so wildly corrupt that like nothing surprises me anymore. Sorry, I'm watching the Michigan State. Yeah, I'm watching and, it too. And this kid is just getting in Izzo's face, and I love it. Number 44, I know. Yeah. Izzo's like tugging at him and stuff. Yeah, and they're up by like uh, ten. Um, yeah, no, I mean, interesting conversation. I, 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 I don't know where we'll go. I, I hope it. I, I mean, I love college basketball. I hope college basketball is here forever. And I want the best players playing at all times. I love college basketball for this tournament because it, you know, mm-hmm. it's because Maryland was good when I was growing up, and this tournament, like, the yep. as far as, in, in my mind. I don't think you can find four better days in sports than the next four days we're about to have in terms of the, the greatest time of the year. It's you literally have games starting at twelve fifteen tomorrow afternoon, and the last game starts at like just after ten o'clock. Yeah, it's twelve plus hours of straight basketball madness. So that's why I love college basketball. So I hope something like the G League taking away its best players doesn't happen. That would that would definitely be a bummer. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I also think that, yeah, we did. He froze for a little bit, and he looks like he hopped off, but uh, hopefully we'll get him back a little bit. I also think that, you know, you talk about the, you know, like longstanding pedigrees of, like, football friends. I mean, March Madness is an institution. You know, that's that's not going anywhere, regardless of what happened to G League. People are still going (laughs) to tune into this. Yeah. And if anything, this might even the playing field a little bit if – more top players were just going straight to the pros instead of going to, cause then you're kind of diluting the talent and the college basketball level, which I guess does suck on a sense, but in another sense, it could be leveling the playing field across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And 
also just college tournaments in general. Like I love the baseball world series coastal. What my, my college won five years ago. And hopefully um, we had a college I, football playoff expansion. Yep. And then I even like, like the lacrosse final. Like yeah. I, I watch that every time on Memorial day weekend. Like it's all that stuff's must watch TV for me. So I you know I'm, I'm all in on that, but you know, I, I, I would say if there's a sport that's vulnerable right now, it is college basketball. And that's and that's really to be determined. We'll see what's going to happen, what the NBA decides to do. Um, yeah, because it's either you either go one way or the other, like you have like a two year requirement or none at all. Like, I just feel like the one and done's it's just really kind of taken the um, integrity away from the game. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said earlier, I think it's part of the reason we grew, we fell in love with it is because you would have to hate the same guy for four years. No, nope, he's back. And it also made like I mean, it. I mean, in a way that puts like more emphasis on recruiting. Well, like mm-hmm. because yeah, I mean, you obviously want the big town, but if it's only coming for one year, mm-hmm. all right, whatever, that's not a big deal. But like you know, if we were in the ACC and I knew Zion was going to play at Duke for the next four years. I would be fucking furious. Yeah. So it's like guy staying all four years puts a more emphasis on recruiting well because you're like, all right, I'm getting four years out of this kid as opposed to just the one. But. And then if that in fact becomes a case, you're going to have the Gonzagas and the Butlers and, you know, these, you know, mid-major programs dominate because, you know, they they do that with four-year guys primarily. That's true. Um, all right. So I know we want to wrap it up soon. I, I, we're not getting the rotten Gregory's tonight. Um, Ian, Bobby and I suggestion to you is to watch last chance. You it's about basketball. Um, it is right up your alley. My friend, we promise. Final answer. Have you watched any of them? None. Not one. You haven't watched a single lesson, dude. I don't know why. And I know once I watch one episode, I'm going to love it. Yeah, you will. But I don't. I just. I don't know why. So I've liked the basketball. I was telling Tom before we started. I like the basketball one better because I do too. I think the. I mean, it's only been one season compared to what four football four. seasons. Yeah. But I mean, I've uh, just from the f- pure basketball has smaller roster standpoint. Like you get to know every player as opposed to in football, they're only focusing on four kids out of a fifty-three man roster. Um and the coach obviously so but and also just like you know you get to see their face the entire time yeah I mean I, I don't know basketball is also like kind of more uh, one of my favorites I think probably my favorite sport at least as a player so it's like I can like yeah my favorite sport to play yeah I can like see myself in these situations like playing and yeah. being like fucking furious <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's and it's like when we'd watch a basketball move you're like oh now I want to go play. Yeah, it, it, it's like that. And, um, you know, the these are all like it's called last chance you because everyone's there for different reasons. Most of them are for our unfortunate reasons. So you're just find up end up wanting to like root for these kids that, yeah. you know, have either have been just get, been dealt a shitty hand or just have made some young, dumb decisions. And, um, you know, there, there's so much pressure on any athlete, especially any, you know, college athletes, but especially at the junior college program, because like, this is literally their last opportunity to get a scholarship. So one mistake and, you know, it, it's, it, it's, this community college? yeah. Yep. 
there's actually a guy, one of the main characters in this this season that's out right now is a uh, former DeMatha player. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's my least Where, favorite. Where's the, where's the community college? Los yeah. Angeles. East Los Angeles. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, Bobby, I agree. He's probably the least likable character. On- yeah, and you're, you're going to hate him. <laughs> well, yep. actually, you might have sympathy for him because he was he went to Dematha. He played. Wow, he played. Then he went to Oak Hill. Yeah, and then he his, his senior year down. he tore his ACL. Then his freshman year at Penn State he tore his other legs MCL. Uh, and then he got like super into weed. Try to go at a different community college in California, didn't make it, still got into weed, got arrested, served small like 17 days in jail, I think. And then the his coach like bailed him out. This current coach like helped get him out. Um, but he's one of those kids where it's just like if anything goes wrong, he just gives up. He just quits. Yeah. Yeah. And like like the first scene of the not this is not a spoiler because it's the very first scene of the entire of the of the season is him. Like he doesn't he he didn't do anything wrong. He'd actually they call it a travel on him and I don't think he traveled, but he literally just throws up his hands. He's like, take me out of the game. I don't want to play anymore. And he just quits. And he goes he goes to the locker room. He goes to the locker room and just starts beating the shit out of the lockers and breaks a chair. It's bad. Oh fuck that. So like part of your part of you but like it's crazy because like part of you wants to like I feel bad for this kid because he Two terrible injuries. Obviously, he has a lot. To, he's the best kid on this team, but he doesn't even start because of his attitude. See, but that's why I don't feel bad for him. But I guess I gotta watch it. But like, yeah. but like, he has his injury history, and then he obviously he like admits I was not in a good mental space for like a long time. Like I really struggled, which is totally understandable. But then you see him on the court, all the talent in the world. He could be at a D one school right now. I mean, he should be. He was at Penn State. And just like the minute it does not go his way, he just gives up and just throws a hissy fit. And it's like, dude, come on. Well, it sounds like the matter. That's what what I said. What they talk about is, you know, what's so cool about this series, this season is just, it's so intimate. And because there's only 12 guys on this team. And, um, you know, and you, Ian, I know you pretty much devoted your life to that sport for the first Mm -hmm. 20 years of your life. Like, um, yes, please watch it, and it's not something you need to watch in order. If you want to watch the football seasons, I highly recommend. I mean, I was hooked right from the start, but um, yeah, this is this is must 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 watch. In fact, I'm going to finish the season as soon as we get off this tonight. Thanks. I was thinking about watching the Snyder Cut just so I could fucking tell people how much it sucks. You're going to start right now. It's 11:30. Is it like a three-hour, four-hour thing? Four hours or something. Four? I'm pretty sure it's super. Four. Well, why would it be four hours? A lot of CGI fights, man. Fucking Snyder. I fucking hate Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is it? Uh, yeah. Zack Snyder and Dan Snyder. Just leave four, them on an island. Four hours, two minutes. Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> <laughs> 242 minutes long. Oh my God. I hate him so much. I hate him so much. There's no chance you watch that movie. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you said it was four hours. Damn it. Now I kind of wish I didn't say anything. You would, you wouldn't, we would have gotten texting me like 2 a.m. It's like, is this movie I gotten, still playing? I would have gotten two and a half hours in and I would be like, 
it seems like there's got a lot to go on. <laughs> <laughs> they seems, got a lot to cram in these next 30 minutes. It seems like they're still fighting for justice. <laughs> but of course, I'm going to say out of that four hours, at least 35 minutes is slow motion. <laughs> oh That'd be funny. You should do that as a bit. You should watch the movie and on your phone, time every time is slow mo. Oh my god! Maybe I do have to watch it tonight. But all right, but here, do you count the flat? Because like all technically, probably all the flashes scenes are probably in slow mo, except for no, like I'll just do the I'll just do the unnecessary slow unnecessary slow mo because obviously him being the Flash, it's kind of necessary for him to be in slow mo. A little bit. <laughs> Everything is in slow motion when he's running. That'd be so funny. You should just do that and be like. <laughs> All right, yeah, I think I got to now. <laughs> 35 minutes, unnecessary slow-mo. <laughs> also, you have your brother watch it and then tell you which, just to highlight. Oh, he's not going to watch it. <laughs> he's not? No. He's he's just so fed up everybody talking about the fucking Snyder Cut. Maybe he will eventually, but... Umo likes it. Of course Umo likes it. Umo's been talking about this for fucking three months. Literally. Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut. Literally. Like, <laughs> Like, I don't give a shit. Like, Snyder makes horrible movies. Like, why am I going to be excited about, like, look, I just turned on Batman versus Superman's Dawn of Justice. Slow motion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch, I don't remember, did you watch Wonder Woman? The new one? Yeah. I, I watched it before you guys. I fucking hated okay, it. Okay, yeah. I, I, talk about I haven't watched it's... it because... You guys warned it's me how bad it was. So, 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 so bad. So bad. Umo liked like, that too. Of course he did. Did he really? Umo, Nicholas. First, the Wonder, first Wonder Woman is fantastic. Lo- I love the first Wonder Woman. So good. Well, because. I think that, that to me, that's the best DC movie. Well, obviously, not including the Dark Knights. No, DC Extended Universe movie. Yes, it is the be- that was the best one, and it was not even close for me. I think people sleep on Man of Steel. I like Man of Steel. I, I didn't have a problem. I'm not. I'm not a big Man of Steel guy. Snyder. In comparison to the other ones, that's probably the best one out of all. Yeah, if, I'll give you that. If Wonder Woman is your number one, I think Man of Steel has to be number two. There's just, and then everything else is just way below it. Man of Steel. Uh, no, at least- I'm like, no, I'm gonna go Shazam number two. Does Shazam count? Shouldn't it? DC. I have it right here. I guess it does. I never saw Shazam. I got Wonder Woman, Shazam. I don't give a fuck. Dude, how did they? <laughs> oh, my God. They're so bad. Marvel? All right. Hold on. Sorry. I'm trying to do math in my head. <laughs> Anchorman. No, not Anchorman. Whoa. Not Anchorman. Iron Man. <laughs> You're not Tony. <laughs> That's whiskey? That's whiskey. No, it's it's a dark tan. Say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man came out in two thousand eight, and um, Infinity War. No, no, sorry. Endgame came out in twenty two thousand. No, no, twenty nineteen. Endgame was twenty. No, Endgame was twenty. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. So in eleven years, they fit in twenty. I think Endgame was the 22nd Three. movie. No. Okay, fine. Then Spider-Man was later that year. So 23 movies. DC, the DC Extended Universe started in 2013. 
Snyder Cuts Justice League is 2021. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In eight movies, in eight years, they've only done ten movies. It's not even like, close. Why do we talk about DC? We stop giving them attention. <laughs> yes, please. I, they they suck. They don't deserve it. They're the Dan Snyder of of Jesse of Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg is Lex, Lex Luthor. That is everything. Like, that, that's enough to yep. say about the DC EU. Like, you lost. <laughs> you lost. They basically had to redo Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman sequel sucked. They definitely, they obviously redid Justice League. Do you know how many times it took me to get through Suicide Squad? Like, I was like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to finish it. And like, I, it took like three times. It was so bad. Have you watched the Harley Quinn movie? Birds of Prey. No, I have oh, God. It's so much worse. Oh, my God. At least she's good in it, isn't it? She's good. Okay. <sighs> but then also, it's just annoying. I think at this point, I have to give the Snyder Cut. I just have to watch it. And I'll probably watch. I'm gonna watch it just so I could say how much it sucks. And I, hey, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I just I, four hours. That sounds so Snydery that I'm gonna lose my mind. The original one was two hours. <laughs> they doubled it up. That's what, when Tom said four hours, I was like, "There's no fucking way that's possible." <laughs> but then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute." The original movie is 120 minutes. The next one is four hours and two minutes. Where do we watch it? What's it on? HBO Max. Got it. I'm on my fire stick. Wow. All right. Well, I got to find a day where maybe I'm off from baseball and have four hours to spare. Good See, why would you spend four hours watching that? I'm talking more so Ian. I think I'm going to enjoy it more than Ian will. Why would you spend four yes, hours yes. watching that when you can watch four hours of like Return of the King? Oh, such a good movie. If you're going to watch four hours of one movie, it might as well be Return of the King. I got to do it. Uh, yeah, we're committed now. Because I just want to see how different it is. Like, uh, I barely remember the first one. I think Rag texted us and said he likes it. Well, Rag's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the Punisher. The Daredevil can't watch that, but the four hours of fucking... You could have watched half of a goddamn season, Greg. <laughs> it's true. Like if I want, why are you talking to him? He doesn't listen. If I want to torture him, I'm gonna make him sit down. I'm gonna tape his eyeballs out <laughs> and make him watch Daredevil. No, because he'll like Daredevil. Make him watch uh, Luke Cage. I, the, yeah. He'd probably like that too. All right, then. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it either. I think. I never watched Daredevil it. and Jessica Jones were way better. Yeah. The other oh, make him no, no no ah Danny Rand make him watch um oh my god Iron Fist Iron, Iron Fist. Fist series never watch that don't oh well I mean do if you want to it was pretty bad it's easily the worst of those of the defenders didn't they make him such a bitch in that he's such a bitch he's so annoying he's so much better in defenders but he was so annoying in his own series. And I also was like, this dude is just not a good actor. He was good as Loris. He's terrible now. Oh, that sucks. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. All right. Now we're at our usual hour 45 minute mark. Correct. Gregor, do you want to take it away? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Guys, let Greg talk. 
No, he's not like, here. Like, have you just given up on even telling us if he's coming on or not? Again, he hasn't texted in the group chat since last night. <laughs> um. All right. Well, since Gregory decided not to join us this evening, we'll call it a night. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to the Put Me In Coach podcast. Hope you enjoyed our breakdown of the Washington football team free agency so far and our kind of tangent talking about college athletics in general. Uh, don't forget, Maryland takes on UConn Saturday night, uh, 7-10 on CBS. Uh, they are playing at West Lafayette, the Purdue Stadium, so be sure to tune in. Go Terps. Um, I am a Terp. Tom, are we going to be able to watch with you guys, or are you guys going to stay home? Um, I sh- Hopefully, yes. Um, we'll see how long it takes to get my grandma vaccinated. Ian, nice. if, Ian if you get off, you're more than welcome to join. Where, at your house? Yeah. I'm, try- I'm trying to get off. Um, give us a follow on Twitter, at PMIC Podcast, also on Facebook and Instagram. Just give a search uh, for put me in coach at Tama underscore Natalie at Ian underscore Foster 21 at Bobby underscore Blanco at not going to bother with Porter for Gregory. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone, spreading the word, sharing, liking, subscribing. We really appreciate all your time um, and sticking with us. We will be back maybe next uh, next man. We're close to opening day, guys. Yeah, we got to do opening day. Then we got a draft two weeks from opening day. And yeah, in a draft NBA trade market. deadlines next week. Maybe we'll do a little baseball next week. Um, and an NBA trade deadline, and uh, maybe we'll have some more uh, free agency NFL to talk about. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, go Terps, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. My watch is ended. This has been Put Me in Coach Podcast. Screw you.